This is episode 145 of Alohomora for July 11th, 2015. everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Alohomora. My name is Rosie Morris. I'm Kat Miller. And I'm Kristen Keyes. And our special guest with us today is Ashley. Hello. How long have you been a Harry Potter fan, Ashley? Um, since the second book, Chamber of Secrets, came out. Um, I received it as a gift and I had no idea that it was actually the second book in the series. And so I tried to read it did not know what a muggle was and decided, <laughs> this book is stupid, I quit. Uh, you pulled a Noah, you pulled a Noah, you read the second one first. Uh-huh. Right. And so luckily, <laughs> luckily a classmate noticed that I had the book and he asked me what I thought of the first one and I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> and it was love at first paragraph. Yes. It is a very good first paragraph, so. It is. It is indeed. Mm-hmm, definitely. And um, you are a Slytherin, yes? Yes. Proud oh, wow. Slytherin. Well, oh. I used to always say Slytherin door, but <laughs> mostly Slytherin. Awesome. Well, you got a good chapter for today. I'm excited. Yeah. A huge Snape fan. <laughs> oh, boy. This will be interesting. Yes, will be interesting. And, of course, that chapter today is Half-Blood Prince, Chapter 27, The Lightning Struck Tower. So please make sure you have read that chapter before listening on. Um, otherwise, you'll be completely confused and left behind because, you know, you won't know anything about it because we haven't read these books before. Yeah, never. <laughs> never. <laughs> but as usual, before we get into this week's discussion, we're going to go over some comments from last week's chapter, which was Chapter 26 of Half-Blood Prince. Our first comment here comes from Gryffindora the Explorer. Very cute. (laughs) I love that. It's a very good username. It says, I think it's very interesting which horcruxes Voldemort chooses to protect well. The ring, which he stole from his uncle, is very well protected. The locket, which once began to his mother, is also incredibly well protected. The diary is just given to Malfoy with what seems very little regard. The diadem is just kind of tossed into the room of requirement, and the cup is given to the Lestranges to keep in their Gringotts vault. None of these other horcruxes is being protected by a spell Voldemort personally performed. I think this shows Voldemort definitely places more value on the locket and the ring. While the increased significance of the locket makes sense because of the connection to Slytherin, I think it interesting that the ring is really only connected to his mother's family. Even still, he places much more value on the ring than on the other horcruxes. I wonder if the locket's value is influenced by more than just the fact that it was Slytherin's. Maybe he wanted to protect the only connection he has to his mother. Hmm. So we had a big discussion last week. um, Since I think, yeah, I was the only one on last week um, about the protections around the Horcruxes and how we we seemed we thought this one seemed a little extravagant. You know, it's (laughs) it's behind a crevice and a wall and a lake and a thing with the potion and the the Inferi, and so. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think the the locket is even more interesting because the place that he chooses to hide it is very almost disconnected from the rest of his life. It is a connection to the Muggle orphanage and to all of this kind of life that he's so desperate to leave behind. And yet he has chosen this cave as the place to hide it. Um, so it's kind of turning his humble upbringing into the most extravagant of all things. 
um, in a very Voldemort kind of way. Um, but it does seem that he is putting so much effort into this one place um, that it must be somewhere of extreme significance to him um, when we only really found out a tiny slither of information of what happened um, that night at the, that um, trip to the cave. Um, so maybe it's the first time that he really discovered he had powers and that's why it's so significant. Um, I don't know. It, it seems to be a bit over the top compared to the others. Um, but I do think that there is a connection to the the Slytherin side of things that he values in terms of the actual items. Um, but yeah, I find the cave more interesting than the connection to the mother. <laughs> I think it's funny that you mentioned that it, that's a part of his life that he's trying to leave behind, yet the locket is he's so proud to be Slytherin. Yeah. And it's just funny that that's the horcrux he decides to hide there. It's like he's claiming the muggleness uh, or he's um, overriding the muggleness yeah. of the place with the ultimate Slytherin artifact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, there was um, a discussion on the main site about how I forget which user it was. I apologize about um, how they thought that Voldemort made that cave, how it wasn't there before. Maybe the crevice was there and the little, I don't know, antechamber, for lack of a better word, <laughs> was there. And then he made the rest. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. So our next comment here comes from Sectum Severus. Very cute. Very appropriate for this very chapter. Good, yeah. <laughs> it says, I agree that no Horcrux could be summoned. So this was a discussion we had about, um, obviously, summoning the, quote, Horcrux um, in the middle of the lake. It says, I agree that no Horcrux could be summoned, but the locket in the basin was not a Horcrux. So surely it would have been able to be summoned. I would argue that an anti-summoning charm could only be placed on the actual object. So surely Regulus would have had to place this charm, not Voldemort. And why would Regulus have done this? I thought that was a really interesting interesting thought because mm-hmm. it's not a Horcrux in that no. basin. It's just a locket. Yeah, I mean, obviously the potion has an effect on it, but let's pretend the potion's not there. What wording does he use to try and summon it? Accio Horcrux. <laughs> well, that wouldn't work then if it's not Horcrux, would it? Exactly. Right. And I think that's what they were talking about on the last episode, too. Yeah. Because he didn't so. specifically say that. Um, but I, I I, could agree with this comment, because it's just a locket. Yeah. But if he if he had said Accio Locket, then it would have come to him. But he said Accio Horcrux. And then... Right, but not with the potion there. Because the potion probably stops it from being... But it's not a Horcrux. So if you say Accio Horcrux right, no, in a room that there's no Horcrux, then it wouldn't. Nothing would happen. Right. No. And I think I think that's <laughs> what the com- I think that's what the comment is saying is the fact that the locket was not a Horcrux, and that's why it didn't work. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought, you know, I thought it was an interesting comment anyway. Yes. So our next comment here comes from Puffin Proud. It is regarding the potion that we were just talking about in the basin. It says. Did we ever consider another great potion maker to have made this potion? Just throwing it out there, and because I love Snape. Supporting argument would be that Snape could have made the potion not knowing what it'd be used for, and at the time, Snape would have been more than happy to be at the service of the Dark Lord. Counter argument would be that Voldemort could have certainly made the complex potion, as we know he concocted the potion that returned him to his body. Well, technically, didn't Wormtail make that potion? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So... It could have been Snape that made the potion. Um, but I guess it depends on 
when the locket was put in the cave, like the original locket, not necessarily the one that Regulus puts there. Um, So if it was, if the locket was put in the cave as soon as it was stolen, that would be quite early on in his career at Borgen and Burks, wouldn't it? Or like, as soon as he kind of knows where it is, he would seal it and then... Well, that was, I mean, he stole the locket a few years out of Hogwarts. Yeah, so he would be... Right. Before he got most of his Death Eater friends, I don't think that Snape was one of the first Death Eaters to sign up. Um, he was a lot younger than Lucius and people, wasn't he? So right. I think and, he would be and, in a kind of a second wave. And what death was for the locket? Um, so the ring was his family. Uh-huh. Yeah, so his dad. Um, was Is the locket the one that's just like a random muggle? That always kind of put me off because it was dumb. Because <laughs> it was dumb. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Somebody's screaming at us as they're listening to this yeah. right now. Come on, guys. Salazar Slytherin's locket uh, was from when R- Riddle murdered a muggle tramp. Yeah, see? Random okay. muggle. Great job, Lucy. <laughs> yeah, which is ridiculous. It's just really annoying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This yeah, one considering... has the most protection. <laughs> Unless. So the muggle tramp. My, is that got, has he got more significance than we know? Is it someone from the orphanage that he's tracked down, or is it something like that? Because he grew up as a Muggle and yeah. he hated the Muggle stuff, and he hid it in a Muggle space that that symbolizes his Muggle childhood. So is killing a yeah. Muggle tramp symbolizing his mother, who was completely destitute when she abandoned mm-hmm. him at the orphanage? That's what I've always thought. I mm-hmm. always assumed that I didn't. I didn't think about the orphanage connection, but I always assumed that it was a symbol of his mother. Which would make it slightly more okay. I mean, well, not okay, but, well, <laughs> you know, significant, yeah, it, but it's yeah. still annoying to me. <laughs> Could it be the um, the orphanage owner that... Um, I don't think she died of any kind of suspicious causes. I feel like we, we might of. have heard about that, yeah. Okay, because I just kept thinking, like, oh, okay, that would be kind of like... Not your mother, but, you know, the mother figure when you're in an orphanage, so. Sure. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it was one of the kids that he tormented that day. Perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who knows? (laughs) So then it's not entirely plausible that Snape could have made it because the death was too early. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, (laughs) Well, nice theory, Puff and Proud. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You tried. Well, it could have been later. Yeah, we don't know when it was created, but if he was, if he created the locket and then kind of. Kept, no, if he created the cup on Hepzibah's death and then cre- kind of left the locket around for a while, it just wouldn't necessarily make sense. But then he could have also made the locket a lot earlier and then hidden it in the cave later on and included the potion then. So, too much that we don't know. Let's ask Pottermore eventually. Uh, More information, please, Joe. <laughs> you still get points because you love Snape. Yes, well done, <laughs> yeah. Puff and Proud. <laughs> yes, yes, very, very good. <laughs> so that's it for our comments that we're going to read out on the show this week um but there were over 200 on the site and Ooh, wow. holy cow they were amazing i wish we had time to read them all but alas we do not so head over to alohomora.mugglenet.com and definitely continue the discussion because we love i mean i always go back and read all the old ones i love hearing what you guys think you know week to week to week so you know what to do And let's get into our podcast question of the week responses from last week. And here's a reminder of what the question was. 
We touched a bit at the beginning of this chapter on ancient magic, Dumbledore, Lord Voldemort, etc. I have long been curious as to how Dumbledore became the wizard that he was at the time of his death. He never ended up traveling and presumably didn't do much with his life besides teach. Where did he learn this incredible magic? How does one become that type of wizard? This first comment comes from Sean Zoe Dawson, and they say, Part of the way he became who he was was by observing other people. I think that you can learn a lot from observing your elders and peers and by watching them and learning from them. Then they can help a young witch or wizard increase their powers and magical capability. I also think that Dumbledore's power comes not only from observing, but also from experience. Like what happened when his sister Ariana died. This might have nothing to do with that, but I think that some of Dumbledore's magic is influenced by some of the things he says. And this doesn't necessarily mean in the spells that he casts. What I mean by this is that magic is a great force and can be used and expressed in many ways. Not only just by one, but also by some of the things we do or say in everyday life. Which, once again, brings me back to the point with Ariana. Even though he tried to be the pacifist and stop the fighting, it didn't work. And Ariana, unfortunately, ended up in the center of things. This experience gave him wisdom, and wisdom, in my opinion, a force of magic, which is as powerful as it is a knowledgeable thing. Wisdom helps Dumbledore grow, along with his magic, but unfortunately, both cannot save him from his inevitable end which just goes to show that even though magic, wisdom, and knowledge can help you go so far with some things, it could also be our downfall. I only say this because in some ways, as powerful as Dumbledore is, and as we discover, he is not as intelligent and powerful as we give him credit for. However, this doesn't necessarily mean that he is not an intelligent being. He is, for he is rather good at detecting aspects of magic both inside the school and out. So apart from observing, there may be some things he learned on his own and by using his own initiative in a way in which we didn't, we don't know of and have never known about. Ooh. Holy double negatives, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> um, Break it down for us, Teacher Rose. <laughs> so Dumbledore gains wisdom through unfortunate events in his life, such as the death of Ariana. Um, mm. He puts aside his kind of ambition and um, thirst for knowledge and learns instead that experience um, is the most important thing um, and that learning from our mistakes um, is the only way to learn true knowledge. I think that's what they're trying to say. Sure, I mean knowledge, that. but mm-hmm. that's not magic. No. So, like, <laughs> but I mean, I agree. You have to learn from your mistakes and from your experiences and from your life. But yeah. you know, and we know that Dumbledore was incredibly powerful even before Ariana died as well. Yeah. Um, but I think that it does shape his magic. So the idea of the phoenix being his kind of connected animal, his spirit animal, if you wish. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows that Dumbledore rises from the deaths of his past. Um, he puts Ooh. aside his life of ambition from before his sister's death and before the whole stuff with Grindelwald and all of that kind of thing, and he rises anew as a, a better person, supposedly. Um, you know, I have issues with Dumbledore, so whether that's true or not is debatable. <laughs> but um, 
yeah, so he, he learns from these kind of mini deaths throughout his life um, and becomes more powerful in his understanding of the world, maybe. I mean, I like the the part of, like, observing other people and standing back. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, even with... Um, but you're a teacher, so you understand, like, you have some of those kids who do stand back and observe, and mm-hmm. sometimes you don't even know it, but sometimes they're the brightest kids because they've just watched everything and observed what other people are doing. And um, even though they're not the most talkative or anything like that, just by observing, you can learn so much. Yeah. And I think it's it depends on... You know, we we have different learning styles, and I'm sure that's the same with magic as well. Like, the fact that Neville flourishes once he's been given that little bit of uh, confidence, um, and he can actually do the things that he believes that he can do and becomes a greater wizard from it. Um, Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for for Dumbledore, it's more of an intellectual thing. Um, I don't know, I have too many issues with Dumbledore to see him as (laughs) um, as truly compassionate by the end of this story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially in this chapter, but I'll get into that later yeah. on. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I agree that, you know, he probably observed other people because if memory serves me correct, um, wasn't it in, I think, Order of the Phoenix? Um, I cannot remember the person's name, sorry. But someone told Umbridge that they had sat through, um, like, Dumbledore's uh, Newt, uh, NEWTs and... They yeah. saw him the, do things with a wand that, you know, she had never seen before in, like, a yeah. hundred years. And that's before Ariana died, isn't it? Right. So from a very young age, I'm sure he was observing other people, um, you know, the company that he kept. He just, he learned from that. Yeah. It's interesting as well because this this comment is all shaped towards Dumbledore's downfall, mm-hmm. as if his intelligence um, should have prevented it. But, I mean, as we, we, well, we see in this chapter, but we don't necessarily understand in this chapter, um, by this point, Dumbledore's seeking death. Um, so it's, in, it's his intelligence that manages to um, work the situation into a, a method that actually kills him rather than a me- method that saves him. Um, so it, it's more proof of his, of his intelligence than proof of his downfall. Um, the the moment where he really does have his downfall happened months ago by this point, um, and is the moment where he lets greed override this wisdom that he's learnt. Um, and it's the moment where he almost forgets um, Ariana and forgets his loss, even though it's the the you know the resurrection stone that he actually tries on. Um, it's the fact that he wanted the the hallows um that has clouded his judgment and and clouded his intelligence um and that is what ultimately sh- uh, was his downfall wow it's heavy yeah <laughs> <laughs> quick let's play an audio boom <laughs> okay <laughs> yes please so this next comment is an audio boom so let's take a listen real quick hello alohomora podcast My name is Eileen, and in response to the podcast question of the week for episode 144, my simple answer is, look at Hermione. To explain, she is in the same year as Harry and Ron, yet knows way more magic than either of them. She took more classes, but she is also always reading. And anytime she encountered something she didn't know, she ran off to the library. 
The first time we meet her on the Hogwarts Express, she confesses that she knows about Harry because she read about him in a lot of books. Hermione is always taking the initiative to better inform herself by reading, and it is in this way that I propose that Hermione and Dumbledore before her got to be such clever and knowledgeable people. Thanks. Love the show. Ah, but books and cleverness are not everything, Harry. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. That is the one thing I thought when I was listening to that comment. Um, I mean, I agree. Hermione is smart and she's clever. But I, you know, I don't see her getting to this level of Dumbledore's kind of, you know, the deep and dark, not even dark, but deep ancient magic. Yeah. I don't, I don't see her ever kind of crawling into that hole to try and figure it all out. I think that if you can't figure it out in a book, Hermione probably won't ever know it. And I don't think she's seeking out that level of knowledge either. Um, right. It strikes me as, you know, the difference between a PhD and a general degree. So, like, Hermione is very happy to just learn about magic in a practical sense. So she's learning anything that will be useful to her. Um, she's learning all about the craft that she didn't know existed and all of that kind of thing. But she's not really interested in the um, in harnessing the power of the ancient stuff. She's interested in finding mm -hmm. out about it kind of as a historical thing, but she's not necessarily interested in trying it out herself. Um, whereas Dumbledore sort, of, sort it in an um, academic interest mm -hmm. way. So he, he wanted to kind of experiment and understand the greatness of magic in the way that anyone who's passionate about anything does. So, you know, David Attenborough knows a lot more about the, what, the natural world than anyone else. All of that kind of thing. He is the, the David Attenborough of magic to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, as you were saying that, I was wondering, do we think that Dumbledore started down this road? Obviously, he was clever before and he was smart and all of that. But do you think he started down that road kind of when he fell in with Grindelwald and they started to explore other avenues and, you know, magic is might and all of that? Do you think that he re like really went down that road at that point? I think it might have been something that drew them together. I'm not sure if it's something that he that would have been sparked by Grindelwald. I think it would be, it was more mm -hmm. of kind of a shared interest. Um, could be. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could see yeah, exactly what Rosie said, but it could also be that, yeah, Grindelwald was the one who really got him thinking about all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it had to do a lot with, you know, the company that he kept, Grindelwald, uh, Nicholas Flamel. That's true, Flamel as well, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, people that he associated with. And then he was also, um, you know, constantly surrounded by various witches and wizards from all around the world being involved with the, um, what is it called, the International Confederation of Wizards, something yeah, like that? Yeah, the Wizard mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess, I, guess it's, I guess it's like the culture. Like, when you're a rich person, you tend to hang out with a bunch of other yeah. rich people. They're, right. they're, they're Oxbridge, um, they're Ivy League yeah. students, aren't they? They're that kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they are, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. All right, our next comment comes from Spinner's Inn, and they say, I think a great deal of Dumbledore's talent is inherent. He's smart and has a wealth of natural magic. And we see him seek out people who are his intellectual equal, though admittedly they are few and far between. I also think one of Dumbledore's greatest is his ability to sympathize and empathize. 
I believe that gives him an ability to think through how things work and why they work the way they do. But most of all, I think Dumbledore's greatest asset is his inquisitiveness. This means he reads, he asks questions, and willing to test his theories regardless of how certain he is of them. This kind of goes back to the previous comment as well. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good wrap up of mm-hmm. everything we just discussed. Yeah, it's true, and it's the the fact that he should have this greatest ability to sympathize and empathize is the issue I have with later Dumbledore, where this seems to go <laughs> by the wayside. Because um, we've seen his amazing ability mm-hmm. to sympathize and empathize, um, and then with Harry, that is put to one side. It seems um, in in search of the greater good, blah blah blah. Um, and that's just <laughs> not what he should do for our hero. Sure. <laughs> All right, and our last comment comes from Silver Doe Twenty Five, and they say, "Let's not forget that the guy is over a hundred years old. This is a long time for him to hone his magical skills. He may never have traveled the world with Dodge, but in." But in all of his years as um, Transfiguration Professor, with summers off, he could have easily traveled and continued his studies. <laughs> Very true. Uh, I like that little comment in there. Yeah. Here, here, nice and snarky. Mm-hmm, Good job. Because everybody was talking about how he'd never have time to travel. They're like, oh, he's been living a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was definitely great to read everybody's responses from um, last week's question. Keep it up, guys. It's interesting as well, you know, that if Ariana died when he'd just taken his newts and was just about to go on the Grand Tour, he would have been 17, 18. And now he's over 100, and it's still his greatest upset. And when he drinks the potion, it's still the thing that, you know, cuts mm-hmm. him to the core. Oh, but is it? Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it was 83 years. No. <laughs> Titanic women, never mind. Um, (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Never seen it. I got it. Okay. (laughs) What? Wait, what? Oh, sorry. (laughs) Never seen that movie. Wow. Wow, not a Leo fangirl, huh? Uh, I like it. I I ended up, everybody had ended up already, like, telling me what it was all about and everything when they saw it, so I was like, why see it? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You didn't know what Titanic was about? (laughs) No, I did, but, (laughs) like, the whole love and... You say that, Kat, but there are uh, students okay. that literally think that Titanic is a movie and not an actual event. So, yeah, oh, we've God. reached that stage of life. That's, that's sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Meanwhile, it is time to start our next chapter discussion. Severus, chapter 27. Severus, please. The lightning struck tower of Vada Kedavra. Okay, so here's a quick summary of what's going on in this chapter. So Harry and Dumbledore escape the cave, and Harry actually succeeds in leading his first sidelong apparition, bringing Dumbledore back to Hogsmeade. Dumbledore has actually regained most of his lucidity at this point, so he's recovering a bit from the potion, um, but not his health. And he is demanding that he is taken or or Snape is fetched to him, um, rather than going to Madame Pomfrey to be healed. At this point, we actually have Madame Rosmerta rush over to their aid, um, but brings her own bad news, which is that the dark mark is blazing over the castle. Dumbledore then snaps into action, and Harry even remembers to use magic in times of trouble for the first time ever, um, and, and summons some brooms, and they rush <laughs> up to the castle to save the day. But can Harry trust Dumbledore to be the hero this time, um, or is it just 
doomed to fail. <laughs> it's a bit of a depressing chapter, guys. Bear with me. <laughs> Ten points to Gryffindor for Harry remembering to use magic. Indeed, it's the first time. I mean, but here's it. A- but doesn't Dumbledore bring it up first? <laughs> he does. Well, no, he says that Harry can do it. But, I, you know, Harry could easily just run off to the three broomsticks at this point and look behind the bar to find the broomsticks. He remembers to use <clears throat> magic all on his own. I suppose. Gotcha, gotcha. It's okay. like Hermione <laughs> saying, you know, oh, a fire, but I haven't got any wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it only took him seven oh, years boy. to realize he actually is a wizard. <laughs> Six, technically. Yes. Yeah. We're almost at the end of the season. Never mind. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Fine. <laughs> anyway, Six we are now half. into Hogsmeade. Um, and Dumbledore is certainly better than he was in the cave, but definitely not healed. Um, we see Rosmerta, and it appears that she thinks that they kind of escaped the castle. Um, and Dumbledore, you know, he resolves to save the school. So even his worst memories that he's just encountered again are kind of cast aside when the school's safety is at risk. Um do you guys think that he was aware of what was going to go down at the school while he was away, or has this kind of caught him by surprise now that he's back? I think that the Death Eaters were a surprise to him, um, because he gen- later in the chapter he acts genuinely like, oh, wow, you actually got them into the school. <laughs> I think that that was a surprise sure. to him. I think that he, heeding Harry's warning, you know, he probably did put extra protection on the castle that night i mean basically the entire order is there right and i'm sure they're not there on a regular basis so i think he knew that something was going down but since snape was never really able to get it out of draco exactly what he was doing i think dumbledore was a little bit surprised caught off guard sure well the dark mark seems to have made dumbledore even more determined um to get up to the castle and to find out what's going on um as they kind of fly over to the castle he has this kind of look on his face we hear that harry just completely feels fear um and nothing else but dumbledore just seems you know he's the action hero at this moment um but it seems focused yeah he's incredibly focused um i love that description he was bent low over his broom his long silver hair and beard flying behind him yeah i love that description but it strikes me as does he know that this is the night where he might die? Um, he has been calling for Snape pretty much non-stop since he got there. Um, and he he seems to know that something's going to go down. And if he is this determined, like it, it seems like there's there's no holding back anymore. Do you think he knows what's going on? I mean, we've got this um, this description of him clutching his chest, clutching at his chest with his blackened hand. I think he was calling for Snape for an anecdote to the okay. potion or to help him in some way with the potion. Um, I think he realized very quickly that he was probably going to die once Draco showed up at the top. Okay. We haven't got that yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, no, no, I'm not jumping ahead. I just, you know. Spoiler. Just saying. And, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. Right. We're I almost suck there. at that. Um, also, um, I, like, I like how when they're flying up there, it says that, Dumbledore was speaking in another language yes. again, mm-hmm. and I just keep thinking about how it's probably Latin. Latin. <laughs> <laughs> and they just don't recognize Latin because they don't learn Latin. It's foreign words. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, undoing all the enchantments and stuff. I thought that was awesome because here, here it is again, Dumbledore showing just his insane, like, 
memory of of the you know of spells mm-hmm. and his knowledge of just everything mm-hmm. you know it's insane just he's and to be awesome. able to remember to take down the precautions as you fly up to the castle as well i mean harry would completely forget that he put them up and would just fly straight <laughs> exactly. into them <laughs> yeah it bounce off of him on his broom exactly yeah and that's how dumbledore dies he just flies into it it's not how he dies however and they do make it to the um astronomy tower um and dumbledore gives extremely clear um instructions to harry he is to fetch severus um to tell him what has happened and bring him to me do nothing else speak to nobody else and do not remove your cloak you swore to obey me, Harry, he says. It's just, it's chilling. Something bad mm. is going to go down. We know it's going to go down. Well, we already have the dark mark outside, so, you know, it's already happened, technically. But yeah, it's, yeah, there's no kind of goodness in the situation. We're not storming in, guns blazing, and thinking, yep, we're about to save the day. We are walking into a death trap, and we know that something bad is about to happen. We just don't know what it is yet. Yeah, we're like the doe with the broken leg. Like, oh, yeah. Limping along. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about the doe thing. But yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's just... You can't use the phrase a doe and then not think of Harry Potter and Lily and all. I know. That's next <laughs> But yeah, I mean, he definitely... I think that... I, th- I still think at this exact moment, they get up there. I think all he is thinking about... Sure, he's thinking about the dark mark or whatever. But I honestly think he's thinking about trying not to die from that potion. Yeah. is That's the first thing on his mind. Do you think that potion was deadly? Well, he says it wasn't. But I imagine that it would eventually kill you. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it... Um, um, What's it called? Like when vampires don't have any blood... Des- is that desiccation? Um, maybe. I, I don't know. Is there an actual term for that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't read a lot. I just know that it's a thing. I, I just call it slowly withering away. Cool. Well, I th- I feel like it would be maybe like when a vampire has no blood to drink. They're still alive because they can't right. die. I mean, obviously, Dumbledore can die. But he's just kind of there yeah. like, uh. And yeah. deteriorating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he needs... To, so. He he might not die, but he won't necessarily recover from it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I because think it's meant to be. Kind of... It's meant to make him suffer. Yeah, it's debilitating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So before Harry can carry out Dumbledore's instructions, um, someone bursts in with the the spell Expelliarmus, and we kind of go, "Harry, what's going on?" Um, only it's not Harry, and <laughs> Harry is frozen. Um, it's it's interesting because, you know, this is one of those parallels that keeps coming up and we keep mm-hmm. looking at the fact that, you know, both Tom and Harry were very similar and, you know, Harry and Dumbledore have similarities, you know, James and Severus have similarities and all of that kind of stuff. But Draco actually has quite a lot of similarities with Harry as well. Um, and this is one of them. You know, it's, it's the spell that Harry learnt and has saved himself many times with but he learnt it during the dueling club when he was battling Draco. Um, and it seems to be the one spell that they've actually learnt, both of them, throughout the years. Um, and here he is, you know, Draco using it against Dumbledore. And here is the moment where Draco wins the Elder Wand. Not that we know that yet. But it is a key mm-hmm. moment that is so, you know, so underplayed um, in terms of its importance and its significance in the next book. Um, 
but it's it's the moment where Harry freezes and thinks, hang on a second, that's not what this spell does, I know that, um, and <laughs> discovers that it's actually Dumbledore that has frozen him as he watches Dumbledore's wand fly out of his hand. Um, and yeah, it's just such an important moment and so brilliantly written in terms of its confusion. Um, Harry mm-hmm. is, is genuinely not sure what's going on until he can take stock of the fact that he is propped up against the wall like a statue um, and forced to watch the rest of the scene without being able to help. And you don't even think about the wand. You, you, no, it says, it's, 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 so shot, it's gone, gone. It's, you know, you, you don't even think about it. And we know, I mean, we know, I think, right, that that's how you win a wand from somebody. I'm pretty sure we've yeah. heard it at this point. You disarm uh-huh. them. A few times, yeah. right? You disarm them, you win the wand. I mean... Oh, hello, it was right there in front of us <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> whole time. So that's also interesting, in fact, that Draco uses Expelliarmus to win that wand. So ultimately, Harry manages to gain the Elder Wand through several moments of Expelliarmus, his his favourite <laughs> spell, um, rather mm-hmm. than, you know, it's meant, it's meant to be the he death wand. Off. You know, this, this wand passes from hand to hand by killing its owner. Um, but Harry ultimately yeah. saves the day because this wand has passed through disarming them, not through killing them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. Um, I was just thinking about the whole circle theory thing since we were talking about Expelliarmus mm-hmm. or whatever. And um, a few episodes ago, one of our guests, I apologize, I forget which, um, brought up the whole circle theory within a book. Okay. So I've been looking at that. Mm-hmm. And so the the chapter that would match up with this one is chapter four, which is Horace Slughorn. So there's a couple things that match up. First off, um, the the dark mark is uh-huh. in this chapter over, over Slughorn's or, house. Over, over Slughorn's house. And also um, <clears throat> it's the first time that Harry apparates mm. is in that chapter with, oh. with Dumbledore. Yeah. And then in this chapter, mm-hmm. obviously, he takes Dumbledore Too with him. Too much so. genius. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's probably more if I had another hour to examine them all. Um, there's blood. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> These, I mean, there is yeah, blood. Yeah. The dragon and, blood and, and Greyback. I think Fenrir. we do. We hear about Greyback for the first time in that chapter as well, and he is in this. Um, one. maybe. Um, I'm fairly sure that Slughorn, Slughorn and Dumbledore have a conversation about Greyback being involved. They do talk about Death Eaters. Yeah. Um. I don't know, maybe not. But the, yeah, there's too much genius or just amazing coincidences in Joe's writing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a very important moment that is incredibly underplayed and very interesting. But we have an interesting situation going on. Um, it is the the moment in the movie where you expect the hero and the villain to have the monologues. And that is indeed what happens. Only yes. this time it's an interesting duologue. So Dumbledore and Draco are both talking. Um, and Dumbledore is kind of desperately trying to stall and save the day and find out what's happening. It's interesting because Harry is completely vindicated in this moment. He gets to know exactly what has been going on all year. Um, and that he was correct all year in thinking that Malfoy was, you know, scheming. Um, and it makes me wonder if this whole scene was for Harry's benefit. Is the whole conversation that Dumbledore is setting up so that Harry knows that he was right um, and he knows kind of the background to this scene so he, he doesn't feel like Draco was necessarily to blame almost? Um, by understanding what he's been through this year, it kind of makes him less of the villain 
It makes him pitiable yeah, is what it does. It really does. Uh, pitiable, pitiful <laughs> is kind of probably the more correct word. And it's interesting in terms of the writing as well. So I, I picked out a few quotes um, such as, um, as if Malfoy was showing him an ambitious homework project. Um, it, Dumbledore is kind of belittling him throughout the scene and it really does kind of just emphasise his youth um, and his innocence mm-hmm. in his guilt, which is really odd. Um, but yeah, it's kind of... Malfoy is desperate for approval um, and, and Dumbledore is just completely shutting him down by giving him that approval, but doing it in such a way that is just sad. Yeah, I, I you know, Draco is a complicated character and yeah. I've always really enjoyed talking about Draco. And I think that this is a great moment mm-hmm. for him as terrible of a moment as this is i think it's a really great moment for him because i think he's learning a lot about himself yeah Mm -hmm. and you know this thing that he's been working towards for the entire year he's standing in front of it dumbledore wand aimed at him and he's going holy holy crap i've done it i've been i've been working for this all year and uh, yeah uh, now what like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, mom and dad aren't here to bring me out of this, you know, to get me out of this horrible situation that I got myself into. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Now what do I do? I think I think he's internalizing finally and I think this is the moment where he starts to turn into the Draco we see in Deathly Hallows. Mm-hmm. So, and if there was any ever a moment that should have won awards in the movies, Tom's portrayal of this scene and the Septimus Semper scene earlier on in the movie, just yeah. his his complete kind of deterioration even of Draco throughout these, this movie was amazing um, and I really wish this scene had been as full as it was in the book I think it was heavily mm. reduced in the film um, yes. and it, it robbed Tom of his awards almost almost um, but yeah it's this this whole scene is just heartbreaking um, either in the book or the film um, but let's return to the book so <laughs> um, <laughs> Dumbledore's questions are actually kind of half goading half informative so he's he's trying to find out what's going on um, he, he definitely asks questions that he needs to know the answers to. So, you know, how did he get the Death Eaters castle? All of these kind of things. Um, but at the same time, he he's still belittling Draco at every single question. He's still um, almost leading him on as if suggesting that he actually knows the answer, but he wants him to tell us because, you know, we don't know as the reader or Harry doesn't know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it's goading Draco into boasting. Um and Dumbledore just stands there and smiles. He never tells Harry what he wants or needs to know, um, but he uh, he tells Draco that he knows absolutely everything. Um, and it seems that he's kind of appealing to his humanity rather than protecting his feelings at this point, which seems very dangerous to do mm-hmm. um, when the guy has a wand pointed at you. Yeah, but you know, it was the only route Dumbledore had to take. He knew Draco wasn't going to kill him. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. Draco doesn't have it in him. He's... I can't think of a word that's not offensive. He's he doesn't he doesn't have the cojones. <laughs> He's a you know? good guy, really. <laughs> yes, I mean underneath it all. Yeah. I don't agree with that, but um, he's oh, I do. He is a bully, but he's not a murderer. No, yeah. I completely agree. Yeah, that's it's true. Entirely mm-hmm. true. And I think entirely his true. bullying is um, more of a sign of his upbringing than it is of his personality. Um, and I think that's where, you know, the, the only moment I really like in the epilogue 
is the look that passes between Draco and Harry. And this idea that they're, they're still not over what's happened, but there's a kind of begrudging mm-hmm. acceptance of each other by then. Um, and I think that's that starts in this scene where they, they start to understand each other for the first time. Yeah. Can you imagine... It, I've just I've always tried to put myself in Harry's position in this chapter, being stuck up against the oh, wall, <laughs> being like, oh, "Oh my god, I can't do it." And that's the thing; I would be internally screaming. It's the ultimate torture, and yeah. it's not Draco that's done that. It's not the Death Eaters that's done that. It's Dumbledore. Dumbledore mm-hmm. has yeah. set up this scene so that Harry can only be a spectator of his death. By this point, I really honestly think he knows he's not going to leave this tower alive. And he's left mm-hmm. Harry there to watch it all happen. And it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of sad. I have so many issues with Dumbledore. <laughs> Why did you do this to my character? <laughs> oh, no. It's like, I'm just going to let you stand here in the yeah, corner. And yeah, yeah. It's just, I have oh, this horrible, horrible, internal horrible, horrible. panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think it's all that bad i think that i mean he's keeping him out of harm's way i mean i I don't even care about that harry could deal with draco let's be honest Mm -hmm. he would just well yeah stupefy him and like run away yeah but um (laughs) i mean he would have gotten the elder wand a lot sooner if he had done that (laughs) but no i think that i think that rosie touched on it is that Dumbledore is doing this purely for Harry's benefit. Harry didn't mm-hmm. have time to get away. He had no idea who was coming up there. And Dumbledore yeah. knows that Harry is the only person that can stop Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. So his the only thing he could do was stop him from moving. And that's what he did. Mm-hmm. Thank God he wasn't just standing in the middle of the walkway on top of the tower, like with his hands in the air or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then he happened to be <laughs> over near the wall. Just coincidence, yeah. you know? But any, anyway... Um, I think that Dumbledore is showing a bit of compassion here. And I, I always, I think it is the best kind of death that Dumbledore could have gotten. Mm-hmm. And he wanted Harry to hear what he had to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what is it that then is so important within this conversation? What does Harry need to hear from this conversation um, in order to progress the downfall of Voldemort? Is it that he needs to understand... Draco and the lengths that the Death Eaters are going to just to protect themselves um, from Voldemort? Or is it that he needs to understand, you know, I I honestly don't know. What is it that he needs to hear in this conversation? I think that he needs to let go of Draco being evil. Right. And I think that's the takeaway from, Yeah. yeah, I think that's the takeaway from this entire thing is that Dumbledore, yes, he's talking to Draco and getting information from him or whatever, but Harry's witnessing it all, and he's realizing quickly that, sure, Draco was doing this something all year, and this is what it is. Sure, he got Death Eaters into the castle, but Draco's not evil. No. And he... Regret. I think Snape is. I mean, we'll get onto that in a second. We'll, we'll get. We'll get there. <laughs> we will get there. But I think it was really important for Harry to see this moment and to let go of Malfoy. Okay. To just absolutely just be like, oops, mm-hmm. I don't even need to worry about you anymore. You are like a still an offensive word that I can't say. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can go obsess over something else. Now. Yeah, exactly. I can. I can yeah, move right. on from this. I can move. I on. can stop stalking him like I did throughout <laughs> the whole entire book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he wouldn't have done that if anyone had just believed him. <laughs> that is true. I don't know. But I still That's think true. he would have been. 
He might not have stalked him. No, I don't know. I feel like Draco is a bug in Harry's ear. And even if Hermione had entertained the idea, I still think he would have yeah. been a little obsessed with it. And it is interesting that um, Dumbledore points out that he has allowed Draco to do all of these terrible things all year because he knows that it's actually protecting him. So in that sense, it does give Harry some sense of closure on why he was not believed this year. Um, that Dumbledore did believe Harry, that he did know that Draco was doing these things, that Harry was correct, um, and that he was keeping an eye on things, but in order to keep Draco alive and to stop things progressing um, earlier on in the year, um, he was allowed to, you know, quietly go about his failing work. Um, and it's really only the the success and the fact that Draco actually was clever um, that has surprised and caught them off guard. Mm-hmm. Um as bass backwards as that is. Like, yeah. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> Keep trying to kill me. I know I'm keeping you safe. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. And it's interesting then that we get um, this idea of loyalty coming out um, in terms of Snape. Drake, uh, Draco points out that Snape has been trying to help him all year. And Dumbledore says, actually, it was he was doing that on my orders. And Draco kind of goes, uh, no, he wasn't. In the way that kids just don't understand the complexities of adultness. Um but then, you know, the whole question of Snape's loyalty is something so much bigger than this book, um, even though the book is named after him, but we don't know that yet. Um, yeah, it's just, who do we believe at this point? Do we think that Dumbledore has been duped? Or do we think that Draco is actually the one that is confused? Who is Snape looking out for, really? Fine, I'll shoot in with, Snape's always out for himself. <laughs> <laughs> What yes, do that? <laughs> that is true. Um, yes. I mean, <sighs> I remember reading the moment and I, I think I've said this before on the show, even though some of the, the, I know we're not there yet, but some of the deaths affected me. I was never one. I was never one of those people that, you know, bawled their eyes out. I mean, I definitely like had a tear for Dobby. Because that's super sad. But, um, you know, because he's innocent and all of these. But people in these novels, they kind of make their own beds. So in this in this case, I remember thinking about this and I um, I was thinking, oh, oh, Lord, you know, Dumbledore, he's not doing well. This potion, he's so sick. Why is he calling Snape? Snape is just a jerk since I'm not a Snape mm-hmm. fan. He's a great character, not a good guy. Hmm. Um you know, I just kept wondering, why is he calling Snape? Why is he calling Snape? Is it for just for the potion? And then we get to this moment where Draco's like, he wants all the glory for himself. I mean, maybe he does, but mm-hmm. I always saw it as Snape trying, just doing just what he was doing, trying to get information out of Malfoy. I never was able to make a distinction as to who that information was for. Yeah. Because I think Snape is so good at hiding his true intentions. Because who knows? I mean, he, even if he got, if he got something out of Draco, there's no, there's no evidence to support that he would only tell Dumbledore what he got from Draco. Yeah. That's true. I do think that at this point we're supposed to believe Dumbledore over Draco. So yeah. this, this whole conversation has so belittled Draco that we're supposed to picture him as the child and as the immature one and as the one that doesn't really understand what's going on. 
um, and Dumbledore's kind of collectedness um, and attitude where he's like, oh, it's, it's, you know, Game of Thrones, oh, you poor summer child, all of that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> he um, He is setting us up to believe that Snape is on Dumbledore's side um, and that when he turns up, he will be the hero and everything will be okay. Um, which is, it's kind of reverse foreshadowing. So it's setting us up to imagine that Snape will be the hero and that, um, yeah, that everything will be okay. So that when it actually turns out that it's the opposite, it's even more shocking. Um, and the fact that it's happening in such close proximity to what we, we know will happen in a few moments, um, it, yeah, it just, it completely, Okay, so the rug is currently being put underneath our feet in order for it to be pulled away. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, when you first read it, were you completely shocked that Snape was the one who carried it through? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I I was older, obviously, when this one came out, and I remember Mm -hmm. sitting there specifically... And in the American edition, you have to turn the page. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you It, it do. says yeah. Snape raised his wand and pointed it directly at Dumbledore, and then you're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So you turn the page, and then you're like, mm-hmm. uh, okay. And then I just remember demolishing the rest of the book. I, yeah. I, yeah. I think <laughs> this is the moment where people literally scream at the book and throw out the window. That is, mm-hmm. This is the moment in the whole book series that caught everyone out even though everyone had been so determined that Snape was the one that Mm -hmm. we had to question and the one that we had to try and decide whether he was loyal or not no one expected that he would kill Dumbledore and that's why it was such a big spoiler thing wasn't it you know that you know all the midnight Mm -hmm. release parties and the fact that people were shouting yeah yeah yeah. it wasn't that Dumbledore dies it was Snape kills Dumbledore Snape kills Dumbledore yeah and that was the the greatest shock like I the whole time, I did not expect, you know, Draco to go through with it. And mm-hmm. as soon as Snape came out, like, you see him pop up, part of me started thinking, it will be him. He will be the one to do it, yeah. but there will be a legit re Like, I just always had that feeling that he and Dumbledore had some sort of, you know, before we found out about, you know, their the uh, their discussion. Right, their deal. Yeah part of me had like as soon as he came around the corner I was like okay I think Snape will be the one to do it but there will be a legit reason to see mine mine probably was the same reason but I thought Snape had a deal with Voldemort and that's why he was going to do it so I still thought right. I was like oh he's completely on the dark side <laughs> like this is nothing like oh I can see this is where Snape that's why they called him and stuff mm-hmm. like that like he's going to be the one who kills him and he's going to rise up with Voldemort and everything like that. So I never thought he was going to be turned into a good guy, which I still don't believe that <laughs> I um. think because I've always liked Snape so much that mm-hmm. I, um, I always felt that he would be... I mean, he's both good and bad, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think because I liked him from the beginning so much that I felt, okay... He is on the good side. Yeah, there's got to be a reason there why ha- he did exactly. this. Exactly, he's mm-hmm. not that. I, I didn't want to accept the fact that he could be completely evil. <laughs> I have a super you know? valid question for you. As I, th- I think one of the very first real Snape lovers we've had on here. Oh gosh. Um, why? Tell me what. Tell me <laughs> mm-hmm. in 
as short as possible, what redeeming quality he has for you at this point, <laughs> at this point, do not think about anything that comes after this because we're here. You can't say hashtag always. <laughs> right, exactly. Book seven. I need to know why people oh, have liked Snape before now like you said you've liked him since the first book why he's yes. a frat <laughs> okay for he's me crazy. i've i know i know <laughs> i've always had a fascination with the characters that everyone hates the villains yeah. there's just something about it that draws me to it and so the minute we met snape in the first book yes he is the biggest jerk in the world but I immediately was like, okay, why is this character the way that he is? And that's what made me drawn to him so much. I want to know why he is the way that he is, even though he is a complete jerk. Yes, he is. <laughs> so you fell, you, you fell for the malcontent. The, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, later on, like, oh, we find out that, um, he, um, I just lost my mind, just went blank. If you're wow. going to talk about Lily at all, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I was going to say, that, you can't no. use that in your defense. Uh-oh. No, I'm not, no, I'm not using that in my defense at all. Good, because I'll shut that down. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, yeah, I mean, don't even get me started on that. If we look back through the books, he has always been protecting Harry. Even as yes. he's been bullying him, he has always been trying to save him. Right from that very yes. first book. So he's always but we been don't a know that. Like with the- I mean, there's only a couple times that if you count up to this very chapter, mm-hmm. there's only like two times where there's evidence of him protecting here. So we've got the yeah. broomsticks in the very first book where it's Quid- uh, Quirrell that's actually cursing him and Snape mm-hmm. trying yes, to save them. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. What else have yes. we got? So we've got One. the fact that he was protecting the stone with the potions thing along with the rest of the teachers. Um, that's not directly protecting him. That's Harry. not, I know. Yeah, towards him. <laughs> okay. um, it's technically proof that he's a team player. Uh, nah, I, I mean, he <laughs> um, kind of had to do that, not to show his true colors. Anything in Chamber Alerting of Alerting the Order? <clears throat> I mean, the uh, Order? Yeah, he's part of the Order. Mm-hmm. Like, but in Book 5. Yeah. But still, he was an ass because he didn't show any. Okay, <laughs> so we have one more. And we love Sirius, so. <laughs> yeah. Like, he didn't show Harry that he recognized his secret code at all, even though he went and told the Order That's anyways, true, but, but like, then that could just be because he knows that he had to keep it a secret from Umbridge. Fine, but. two moments. You have two. <laughs> but, I, see, I'm still mad at that moment. He, yeah, I mean, he could have made it still a dick move. Him. Like, he's he could have, exactly. he did at least pass on the message, so yeah. fine. Like I said, you get yes. a point for that, too. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we're completely I don't want going any off points track. for this man. <laughs> anyway, but how good is Joe's writing that she can create a character that is so ambiguous and yet still so real? You know, anyone who mm-hmm. is this kind of un- unknowable should feel incomplete as a character, but he doesn't. He is so fully formed and he is such a strong character, even as we don't know what's going on. That it's just amazing writing. I I love it. Because, I mean, you've got people like, you know, Lucius and, Mm -hmm. uh, like, Wormtail and those, you know, evil people. But it's like, you don't, I mean. Do you love them as well? No, 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 no. See, now you bring up Wormtail. (laughs) Just curious. I I would argue that Wormtail's not evil. 
Uh, he's like I don't know. I <laughs> he's evil through weakness. Like, he's a follower, yeah. right? He's weak. He's not evil. He's, a he's weak. Right? Exactly. Yes. Maybe anyway, that um, makes him bad, not evil. I guess. I don't know. Right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, but like what I'm trying, like the point was, is that I read characters like that, and I don't care to know, you know, their backstory mm-hmm. there what makes them the way they are because she didn't write them that way yeah if that makes Snape sense Snape is the only one that has this ambiguity absolutely and so just reading him I it makes me want to know more yeah he is so complex he is such a mystery he's 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 fascinating to me I do agree and with he that he does have some redeeming qualities I think he does I disagree with that <laughs> 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 but as it turns out, Snape is not the only double agent, possibly, in this book. Um, and it turns out that Rosmerta has actually been car- um, kept under the Imperious Curse, probably since, you know, before Christmas. Um, How out since- of the blue was that? It was completely uh-huh. out of the Yeah, that, that was a big surprise. Here is the first <laughs> tiny little rug being pulled from underneath of us. Um, mm-hmm. the fact that she was at the beginning of this chapter as well she's an interesting character because she is again so understated so just like the wand it's something that we don't really notice she's one of those background characters who's kind of always around we always kind of get li- these little comments about her the fact that Ron kind of fancies her and all of this kind of <laughs> stuff going on and yet here she is being actually quite important in the plot um, in a way that we didn't expect um, and she was the one that gave Katie the necklace she is the one that sent the cursed mead up to Hogs, uh, Hog, Hogwarts. Um, should be able to say that word. Um, and yeah, and she's been keeping um, in contact with Draco through Hermione's coins. How sad is that? Draco's ideas are all stolen from Hermione. From Hermione. She, mm-hmm. Her cleverness has actually been the downfall of this entire situation can we now say that hermione killed dumbledore <laughs> well i mean no i don't yeah, think i make that leap but i do but i do think that um obviously draco subconsciously thinks she's clever and smart because right, they're it, perfect for each other. yeah so much fan fiction <laughs> so much stuff where draco is just watching hermione and never going to admit that he is in love with the nerd I, all of that kind of secret bad boy i'm stuff. A, yeah it, <laughs> i'm obsessed with those two with drama nice just thinking about the uh the mead i was just looking back in chapter four and um they have a drink of mead in that chapter there we go circle so, theory at work just <laughs> that's crazy yep mm-hmm <laughs> There is some interesting language um, going on within this chapter as well. So um, we we have these monologues going on. I keep calling them monologues because it's kind of that, you know. Information dump. Yeah. So it's that, the um, trope of the monologue more than it is actually a physical monologue. Um, they're, they're having a conversation, but it's the, the villain revealing all of his secrets, that kind of thing. Um, and we actually hear the phrase that Draco... Um, was talking, or Draco was was doing whatever he's doing, as if compelled to keep talking, as if Dumbledore has given him veritaserum at this moment. It seems to be there's some kind of um, release of information that is happening 
that Draco is not entirely in control over. Um, so Dumbledore has these kind of Jedi mind tricks going on. Um, and he, he does reveal that he stole all the ideas from Hermione, um, that the Dark Mark was actually a trap that he had set up with Rosmerta to, um, to lure them in. Um, and that, you know, when Rosmerta ran over to Harry and Drake and Dumbledore um, in Hogsmeade, it was because Draco sent her there to try and get them back up to the castle as quickly as possible. Um, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's very sad at this point. Um, Dumbledore is trying to work out what's going on and Draco admits that someone is dead. We don't get any more information. We don't know who it is. Um, so, you know, that the sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach can happen right now that, you know, it could be anyone. Um, and Harry thinks, oh no, it could be, you know, it could be Ron, it could be Hermione, it could be anyone that he loves. Yeah, all um, he says is one of your people. I don't yeah. know who it is. Yeah. I stepped over the body. Wow. Like, yeah. cold. It's cold. And it really just proves that Draco is completely out of options now. Um, he, there's no turning back from this moment. Someone is dead. It is the final, final battle almost for Draco. Um, it's either kill or be killed by Voldemort. Um, and Dumbledore is just all sunshine and happiness. Come over to the right side, Draco. You know, we have cookies, whatever. Um, it's interesting that he uses that phrase lots of times. So come over to the right side. Um, he he's determined to try and enlist Draco. Um, and it, it does make me wonder if this is the kind of conversation that Dumbledore had with Snape when Snape mm. came to him um, with no other options. You know, Snape begged Dumbledore to try and help out. Um, he, he didn't know what was going to happen when he sent the Dark Lord off after Lily. Um, and it seems to me that they have a very similar desperation um, in in this scene and Snape's flashback scene um, that I, I don't think we encounter until the next book. But um, just the the style of writing of their the plaintiveness of their voices um, are, are very emotive to me. What do you guys think? Uh, I agree, and I had never thought about that before. I, I was thinking while you were talking about how Snape is trying to save somebody that he, quote, loves. Yeah. I use quote because I don't think he actually loves Lily, but thinks, mm-hmm. thinks he does. And then Draco is trying to also save somebody that he loves, which is himself. Um, and his mother. <laughs> he does say that they would, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to yes. kill his whole family. Kill I think he's, he's yes. mm-hmm. more afraid of his mother and his own death than yes. just his own death. Yeah, I don't think he's concerned Agreed. about his mm-hmm. father. No. At all. It's, no. it's <laughs> completely Lucius's fault that this is all happening. And Draco knows that. Yeah. He's... Mm-hmm. It's interesting... Okay, so the difference between Draco here and Draco on the train at the start of this book is remarkable. You know, mm-hmm. when when yeah. Harry had... True. Oh, oh, circle theory! Oh, sorry. <laughs> when Harry was inv- under the invisibility cloak and could not move... And Draco was talking. This this oh has boy. already happened oh, in this book. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And Draco there was monologuing as the villain and was in complete control mm-hmm. and was you know saying all of these bad things are going to happen this year. And here, all of these bad things have happened this year. <laughs> and Harry is completely. Um, he's about to be broken in a completely different way. Um, but equally, it is Draco's doing almost. Um, and it is, yeah, it's, it's interesting that Draco has come so far and yet 
we're in that very same situation. Hmm. God, Joe, you're so good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she really is. So Draco's success um, in actually going through with all of his plan is almost too strong. Um, Dumbledore is trying and trying, eating away and trying to bring him into the good side. Um, Mm -hmm. Draco kind of has a moment where he's like, but hang on a second, I have succeeded. I've got you here. I'm on my own with you in the tower. I'm, I'm pointing a wand at you. You're disarmed. I have backup running up the stairs towards me. Um, But even then, Dumbledore manages to almost talk him out of it, and his wand hand falls ever so slightly. Oh, so slightly. (laughs) But then the Uh, Carrows and Greyback burst in. So close. So close. I know. I was so hoping. I was like, oh. What would happen if that happened? I still like Draco. It's interesting. Yeah, that that one (laughs) tiny moment of the wand falling redeems Mm -hmm. Draco as a character. Yeah, it does. Exactly. Yeah, And it's such a small thing. And it's amazing that that can actually happen. Mm -hmm. So Draco um, is our kind of mini villain of this book, (laughs) which is interesting because it's... It's a little pocket version. Yeah, but yeah, we have all this grand villains. You know, we first book we had Voldemort, even though he was in the back of Quirrell's head. Second book we had Voldemort, even though he was a memory. Third book we had the prisoner, even though he wasn't actually a villain. Third book's a bit different from the rest of them. It's quite interesting. That might be mm-hmm. why it's my favourite. Um, yep. Fourth book, you know, again, Voldemort. Fifth book, there is no major villain here. The villain is Harry. put together through all of these little bits of memory. So it is technically still Voldemort, but he's not mm-hmm. the key problem here. And the mini villain, you know, the, the boss before the main boss, which is the next book, um, is Draco. And to have this moment where we haven't beaten the villain, we're not succeeding in a fight against him, um, but we have won him over through words and through emotion and through all of that kind of thing, um, proves that good triumphs over evil without necessarily having to resort to violence. Um, But that only works in so far, uh, only works so far and only works until those who are determined to fight with violence walk in. And that appears in the form of some of the worst Death Eaters that could possibly walk in. So we have the Carrows, um, who we find out in the next book are very vindictive and very sadistic um, and and very horrible in their methods of torture. Um, And we have Greyback. Um, And I don't think he... Is he in the book... Sorry, is he in the movie in this scene? Or do we not see him? Yes, he is. He is. Yes, because it's it's Bellatrix, Fenrir. Yeah. And then the Karos, although they're not named, I don't think they're in the background. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, he's not as prominent. So it's interesting that it's actually Greyback that does the most talking of the three of them um, in this book scene. Mm -hmm. um, Because it emphasizes the, um, I want to say, mindlessness. Um, of the the violence that Draco has inflicted on the school. And it's at this moment that Draco seems to realise it. Um, So Dumbledore says, um, you know, that he didn't expect to see Grey back here and that um, he he wouldn't have thought that he would, that Draco would invite him. And Draco says that he didn't expect him to come along. He didn't know he would be there. So it kind of shows that Draco is in too deep 
um, and that he he really has recognized that by this point. Yeah, and it's the even the quote it says, "I didn't breathe." No, Malfoy's. He was like, "I didn't." Yeah, like he says it. Ter- like he's scared uh-huh. at this moment, and I do think you're right. I think that he realizes. You know, and like I said before, he's been working towards this all year, but he never, ever, ever thought about the consequences of his actions further than, oh, my Lord, he's going to kill me if I don't do it. Yeah. He didn't think about anything past that. And it's kind of hitting him like a ton of bricks mm-hmm. in this and moment. And he's, he's focused on the fact that it's Dumbledore as well. It's Voldemort mm-hmm. telling Draco to kill Dumbledore. And to get to that, that point, he has to take out the Order of the Phoenix by bringing in the Death Eaters. He has completely mm-hmm. forgotten about the rest of the school. The rest yep. of the school does not exist. Mm-hmm. We have got that, the room of requirement and the astronomy tower and the pathway in between. And that is the only thing that mm-hmm. exists in this kind of world of Draco's head at the moment. Um, and the fact that Greyback has now invaded that space has suddenly brought the rest of the world crashing back. Um, and the fact that he has brought this child murderer essentially into the school where his friends are um has really kind of shocked draco um and and mm-hmm. and brought it home that he could be responsible for more than just dumbledore's death um and that's and not I, I like that for. part yeah like in the book where he's like well i didn't know he was coming like i didn't invite him like that restored a little bit of more faith back into Draco as well because he knew what this guy could do and he definitely did not want him to be a part, like you said, with all these kids and having more murders on his hands. He knew that there was a line that he shouldn't cross and he's accidentally crossed mm-hmm. it and he doesn't know what to do now. Yeah. And it's funny mm-hmm. that only the year before, he was, wasn't it in Order of the Phoenix where he was bragging about yes, knowing? Yes, he knows Greyback. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Boast away, Draco. Boast away, honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Bites you in the ass now. <laughs> oh, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> we do know that the order are still fighting, um, and we can hear them down in the corridor. And the fact that the um, they've blocked the stairs is that what is what they um, kind of shout. Um, we will obviously find out what's happening outside of that um, hallway in a in a later chapter, um, but. At this moment, Snape suddenly arrives um, and bursts in through the door and surveys the scene. And the first thing that happens is one of the carrows fills him in on what's going on. Um, So it immediately seems that, you know, the Death Eaters think that Severus is on their side. Um, Mm -hmm. And that in itself, for Harry, must be really worrying. um, Because suddenly, you know, we've been asking for Snape this whole chapter... Um, Dumbledore okay. has constantly been asking for him we're suddenly in quite a bad situation Dumbledore still seems to want Snape for some reason um, so we think that he might help us but the fact that the Death Eaters get in there first you know we have this slight moment where could this be the moment where Severus turns on the Death Eaters is he going to help us and in the scene um, but then following that tiny bit of speech we get this line Severus. The sound frightened Harry beyond anything he'd experienced all evening. For the first time, Dumbledore was pleading. Oh. And we don't know what it is that is frightening Harry. Is it a tone of fear or of desperation or of pain um, in, in Dumbledore's voice? 
Um, he doesn't know. He 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 can feel this kind of sensation of terror, but he doesn't quite know what it is about that pleading sound that is is chilling him. Um, and it's just we we know that something bad is about to happen. Um, I still don't think that we expect it to be what it is, um, but suddenly, you know, from what had seemed to be going our way when Draco was lowering the wand, we thought that things might be turning around, turning back to our favour. But now our great and powerful hero, our, our Merlin figure, the one that's meant to be guiding our, you know, Harry as King Arthur, whatever. I'm going into too many metaphors today. Um, <laughs> You know he's he's meant to be our savior and and now he is pleading. And yeah, we don't know and why. I think I think that's what makes this moment so interesting is because you know the the paragraph where you talked about where Snape walks in, mm-hmm. um, it says at that precise moment the door to the ramparts burst open once more and there stood Snape, his wand clutched in his hand as his black eyes swept the scene, from Dumbledore slumped against the wall to the four Death Eaters including the enraged werewolf and Malfoy and it's just he he that is like a triumphant like hero is here knight in shining armor I'm going to save the day and then you're right the fact that Amicus gets that word in first you're kind of like oh oh wait whoa wait a second you no what's going on what's what's happening (laughs) it almost immediately flips it because you, you know, you think your Snape's here, Dumb- like you said, Dumbledore's been calling for him, like, get Severus, I need Severus, I need Severus. And then it's Amicus who speaks first, and it kind of flips the coin over, and you're like, oh, but uh, wait a second, why are you talking to Snape? We know that he's a double agent, but Snape's not supposed to know that you're there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, and then it flips it back again when Dumbledore starts pleading, and yeah. it just uh, oh, and oh, just the next the next couple of paragraphs <laughs> where it's like Sa- Snape said nothing but walked forward and pushed Malfoy roughly out of the way, like move it, child. Yeah, you yeah. don't belong here. You shouldn't have been here in the first place. GTFO, mm-hmm. stop, <laughs> and just you're done. You're you're done. And then it says the three Death Eaters fell back without a word. Even the werewolf seemed cowed. Yeah. Yeah, and we we kind of get the th- so we we wondered whether he was loyal. We wondered whether he was a double agent, but here he's not only just playing for the other side. It's the fact that he is superior mm-hmm. than these other figures who are the dangers. The fact that he is now more dangerous and he is in control of this situation, and Dumbledore is pleading and Harry is frightened. Mm-hmm. It, uh. Yeah, it's 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 very these couple paragraphs and it's really short. Snape mm-hmm. is not. I mean, if you put the whole thing together, it's three third, you know, two thirds of a page. I was going to say three thirds. <laughs> it's like two thirds of a page that Snape is in this chapter. Yeah. And it's powerful. Yeah. It 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 drips <laughs> with um, hero complexes mm-hmm. and 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 mm-hmm. um, duality. You know, it yeah. just, it, it that's not even quite the right word, but it just, you I, even this time, I read it three or four times, and I just flipped back and forth, like, <laughs> good, bad, good, bad, 
good, bad, good, bad. Because he walks up to Dumbledore, you know, he's gazing at him, and you can almost picturing him leaning over and giving him his hand. Yeah. We like, still don't know what's about to happen. Right. That's what I thought of when I read that. It says, Snape gazed for a moment at Dumbledore, and there was revulsion and hatred etched into his harsh lines of his face. So, like, he's gazing, and he's like, oh, give me your hand. But nope, mm, I hate you. It, it's tough. This is a tough, a tough two-thirds of a page. Yeah. And later, it, we because we get to see this scene from... Well, we don't actually see this scene from another point of view, but we understand that what's led up to this scene from the other point of view. Um, it's interesting that we return to these emotions and that we can understand them from Snape's point of view um, in, in the next book. But we're going to have to go through such a journey before we get there um, that mm-hmm. it, it really, you know, the time away from this allows us to come to terms with what happened before again it gets twisted. Um, so Joe is just a master at playing with emotions. And the fact that she can do so much in such a short amount of time, like you were saying, Kat, um, is is so impressive. Um, and to me, this is the moment where Robert Galbraith is born. This is the moment where we understand, <laughs> oh. That, oh, okay, hang on a second. Joe is not only writing children's or, or young adult books by this point, um, mm-hmm. but she is writing mysteries. She is writing... Oh, yeah murders she is writing about the complexity of the human condition or that kind of thing um and and this is the moment where i think joe was like hang on a second i could i could write other things and and do it very successfully um and yeah i just i yeah this is a really interesting moment in terms of character for me there are probably comparisons between somebody and cormoran strike out there yes (laughs) <laughs> there must be. I mean, there must be. The Hogwarts professor talks, you know, he's been comparing the first Robert, um, I can't ever say that name. So Cormoran Strike novels with the Potter novels. And, he, you know, so far he says that they match up. I haven't read the arguments, so I wouldn't know. But <sighs> I mean, I'm not quite ready for this chapter to end, but I feel like it's time. We should just get it over with. And So <laughs> we have... As you said, Snape's look of revulsion and hatred. And then, Avada Kedavra. Harry is completely unable to scream. He is still frozen in place. Although by this point, it's probably not even because of Dumbledore's spell. Um, It's just the shock and the fear of what's happened um, that is keeping him unable to scream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As Dumbledore is blasted into the air... He hangs suspended for a moment and then falls over the battlements and out of sight. Which is ridiculous, yeah. but... Um, yeah. <laughs> there is... I, yeah. Did he have to fall? <laughs> but no, it's, I mean, it's also pausing. interesting. Yeah, so the... Yeah. Um, when this book was released, the main point of discussion... Well, there, there were two or three main points of discussion. Mm-hmm. Four points of discussion. Hang on. You, okay, mean, so after, four you mean after it was released, right? Yes. After people so read it. It's again. been released, everyone's been reading it, and then they rush onto the internet to discuss it. And this is my memory which, of what happened after the book was released. Which is funny because this is the first book that ever happened for. Yes, because it's the, when. Yes. Yeah, because I remember and Twitter doing that. <laughs> were kind of starting up at that moment. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, MuggleNet was at its prime. Um, and we, we had. A random MuggleNet. Yeah, we, we all had these spaces where we could actually go and talk to it talk about it for the first time mm-hmm. um, and the four things we talked about were who is rab 
what are yes. the horcruxes yes. and how can we find them um is snape loyal was bad. you know who mm-hmm. is snape why mm-hmm. is he the half-blood prince what is what his what is what is his true loyalty and mm-hmm. how come when dumbledore was just hit with a simple killing curse he was blasted into the air hung suspended for a moment, <laughs> and then fell over the battlements. Why did he not just drop down dead? That's what we know of as, as the killing curse. When Cedric was killed by it, he fell immediately after a flash of green light. What we know of Lily's mm-hmm. death was that she was hit by a flash of green light, and then she was dead. That's what we know of James's death. That's what we know of the killing curse, apart from Harry. Sirius. Everyone else... Well, no, well yeah, mm-hmm. Sirius was slightly different because he fell immediately into the the, curtain the the veil um Mm -hmm. the veil not curtain (laughs) um (laughs) whatever same thing close enough and he he still just had a kind of a a look of shock on his face but we still think he was dead almost before he hit the veil Mm um whereas dumbledore seems to have this moment of um almost like a release Mm. of power you know, it, it's he is such a powerful being that he can't just be killed simply. He has that all that power has to go somewhere, um, and this kind of over the top grand death was the result of that. Um, and it's still never been quite clear as to why his death happened in this over the top way. What I always assumed it was is so the actual line says for a split second he seemed to hang suspended beneath the shining skull, and then he fell slowly backward. So we're getting this from Harry's point of view, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let's just pretend that you're Harry and you're looking out at something and somebody throws a ball directly down your line of vision. It's going to look like it's hanging there. Yes. Okay. And I always imagined mm -hmm. that that was just the moment that for Harry, it seemed as though time stopped because he was in complete and utter shock. And really, Dumbledore, just for some dumbass reason, was getting blasted backwards. <laughs> but it looked thing, like he yeah. was floating. So the suspension was... thing is fine. We can understand that from Harry's point of view. But yeah. Dumbledore should have just crumpled to the ground. He was propped up against a wall. Yeah, there, There's no reason mm-hmm. for him to be blasted backwards if it's just a simple killing curse. So, Unless Snape has, I, has a, kind of cast some kind of... I don't know. Bomb- well, is it what Dumbledore's he not before? Dead. Maybe. Like, know. from the cave? Maybe. Mm. I just remember... Sp- Wrong chemicals mixing together. <laughs> <laughs> I remember spending hours at www.dumbledoreisnotdead.com. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because the arguments that, that they exist? had... I don't know. Somebody look. But I, the arguments that they had up there were ironclad. They were so... They were, that was a really good sign. They were amazing. They were so good. And I, I was so hardcore on that theory because then it's I still remember... There. Yes. It is still there. It, it now yes. forwards to Beyond Hogwarts. Um, and it's got kind of other discussions. But it's got Beyond Hogwarts discussions. Dumbledore is not dead. These pages That's were fabulous. created to help Harry Potter fans cope with the shocking revelations in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. So there you go. I'm telling you. Dumbledore is chilling on a beach somewhere. <laughs> I mean... So, but... um. I totally lost my train Sorry, of thought. Sorry, but it's still there. I'm so excited that that website is still <laughs> existing. I just, um, oh, I know what it was. It's because then I remembered, I don't know, Joe was halfway writing, halfway through writing Deathly Hallows, and I remember mm-hmm. saying, Dumbledore's giving me trouble. And I was like, he's alive. Yeah. Yep, I knew it. I knew <laughs> it. I knew it. But no, you no. know, sneaky Joe. I mean, we'll get there. But um, yeah, that website 
kept me that was kept amazing. me alive between those two books. <laughs> and sadly, with Dumbledore's death, that is the end of this chapter. There was something um something else uh, in the circle theory that um I thought was really funny. So okay. um just to lighten believe, it up a bit. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I believe it was was it I think it was when Half Blood Prince came out that she did the reading at Radio City where Yes, or, yeah, it was. Or the Harry Carey and Grop when she said Dumbledore is gay, correct? I believe so, yeah. Two thousand. Yes. So, chapter four, Horace Slughorn, is the one where we get the lovely moment about knitting patterns. Yes. Right? We get this <laughs> lovely moment about knitting patterns. Oh, so there's something like, about socks, isn't that? Yeah. I do love knitting patterns, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then, you know, and I'm not saying that that, you know, implies anything. It's just we know that that's a quirky moment, um, maybe showing Dumbledore's eccentricity. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then on page 589 of the U.S. edition of, obviously, the chapter we just discussed, Malfoy is talking about all the ideas that he got from Hermione. And he mm-hmm. says, I got the idea of poisoning the mead from the mudblood Granger as well. I heard her talking in the library about Filch not recognizing potions. And Dumbledore says, please do not use that offensive word in front of me. And um, it says, Malfoy gave a harsh laugh. You care about me saying mudblood when I'm about to kill you? Yes, I do, said Dumbledore. And it just, for some reason, I read that today and I immediately thought of that knitting patterns moment because I think that when Dumbledore, through Joe, came out as being gay, he kind of, he became an unintentional poster child for tolerance and equality and kind of loving everything about yourself even the eccentricities Mm -hmm. so when I read that today I just I kind of paused for a moment and I chuckled to myself I thought about the knitting patterns and I just I remembered that moment Hmm. so I don't know if they have anything to do with each other but in my (laughs) mind today it did so it made me fondly think of Dumbledore anyway (laughs) Yeah, with the with the sunblock on his nose, mm-hmm. Hawaii printed shorts on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he probably has some knitting patterns with him. Maybe he does. There you go, knit on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me get, ask you guys a question about um that you know the moment that he dies. Like when y'all read it, um, like how did that make you feel? Because when I read it, I was just like, whatever. Really? Like I didn't Ooh. care. I'm gonna, like get so, like, I'm gonna get so much hate for this. But. <laughs> no, I'm sure there I, are people out there who feel the same. Like yeah. I yeah, read it, and I was just kind of like, okay, whenever. Like it's kind of yeah. about time. I actually cried, and my brother came into the room to see what was the matter, and I was like trying to tell him, but I was choking back tears because <laughs> I was so upset that he died, and he was just like. Okay, bye. <laughs> That's how I was with uh, Sirius. Like, I cried so bad. Yeah. Oh, I and, did it that, too. Yeah. I cried. Like, my grandma came in, and she's like, what happened? I'm like, he died. <laughs> she's like, you're such a nerd. Yeah, right? Like, okay, it's a book. <laughs> yeah, get over it. I definitely cried with Sirius. Um, and I, I cried with Dobby. Um, and I cried with, you know, all of the deaths um, in the final battle. I didn't cry at Dobby. I didn't cry at Dumbledore. Um, I think I was so mad 
with Snape. Um, and so kind of in, in that moment of tension, um, that this mm-hmm. wasn't really the release. It, it's, it's an interesting moment because it does, you know, that moment where he hangs suspended, it slows everything down and you expect it to be, there's no real catharsis. There's no real moment where you can let go of that emotion. If you're already in that state where you're about to cry, then you will probably cry at this moment. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I was so riled up by what was going on that I, I didn't really have the sadness of that moment um, until, probably until, you know, yeah. the the wand bit in the movie, that the, the equivalent mm-hmm. bit of that in the book, um, where I think, you know, when, when Ginny Ugh. comes and kind of comforts Harry, I think that was the moment where it really hit mm-hmm. me. Um, but the actual death itself, yeah, I didn't, I didn't cry about. Um, which is I didn't cry in the movie, but yeah. But as, then I as have I... issues with Dumbledore. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let him die. I... <laughs> Sorry, um, it's okay. Bye, Felicia. Um, <laughs> as as I said before, I um, I agree with what Rosie said. I feel like part of the reason I didn't cry is because we were in the moment. It's a very heated moment, and you're flip flopping back and forth, and it just happens, and you you move on, but. Again, kind of as I stated before, really the only deaths that affected me, I didn't cry for Sirius. As I said, I was just kind of like, eh, okay, fine, I don't care. Um, <laughs> no, not serious. Um, uh. I don't recall the emotions I had when Fred died, so I can't, I can't speak to that. But uh, it's more the innocence that get me, and it's the same in real life for me. It's um, when I hear about pup- puppies. Or cats uh, yes. or children. Yeah. It's 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 the the quote indefensible. Yeah. The innoc- the mm-hmm. innocents that are just kind of collateral damage mm-hmm. that get me because you know what? Like Dumbledore knew what he was doing. It's sad, it sucks, but you know what? Mm-hmm. He was like hundred and fifty years old. He knew what he it was happens. doing. Yeah. He was gonna die. And you know what, Sirius? He was reckless. Um I'm not saying he deserved it, but he made bad choices. Yeah. Um like I said, I, I don't forget, remember like, Mad Eye's death. Mad Eye's death is quite understated. Oh and yeah, I forgot about that. Happens yeah. in a kind of an off-stage mm-hmm. kind of way. That's almost yeah, kind that of more shocking me. than Dumbledore's death. Yeah, you give me a head wig getting shot out from the sky yeah, in her cage, yeah. and I will bawl <laughs> yes. like a child. Just, I am the same. Just lost way. her lollipop, but um, yeah, it well. it didn't um it didn't affect me at all. And I I happen to I have issues with Dumbledore too, but <laughs> I he's one of my kind of top 10 characters i really enjoy discussing him and reading about him and learning about him so um i wasn't happy but i didn't cry <laughs> i mean i, I guess was... i'm the only sap <laughs> <laughs> i was distraught you when were... snape died but you know i mean you were also how old Kristen? uh when did this book come out 2006 yes no uh so i'd have been 16 yeah so i mean it's an impressionable age. There's no reason you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that had anything to do with it. Maybe I, you're I just, just. I felt like he needed to die. And I think and that's that the thing. I think that's thing. 2005, not 2006. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Fans are okay. going to annoy me. <laughs> but yes. Sorry. 15. Um, but still, it could have been. Like, I was very mad at Snape as well. So it could have been angry tears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that. Like you said, Ashley, it's important that he die. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's oh, it's the same for Hedwig. 
which is 20 million times sadder, just in my opinion. Oh, it was. Yeah, um, that was really sad. Now, Hedwig, it oh. just, I was so mm. mad at that. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, and I've said this all along, it's the same reason we had to go through Order of the Phoenix, because, damn it, Harry has to learn to do it on his own. <laughs> yes. Boom. Done. That's like, why I wanted Dumbledore to die. Okay, I didn't want him to die, but I knew he <laughs> I was mean, going. Okay, well, yeah, like, I still needed... care about people's lives here, so <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He needed to. Be... This book was released ten years ago. Next week. Oh wow. Lord! Wow, God, we are like falling right on the timeline for this book. Uh-huh. Wow! Because Dumbledore died just a few days ago in the timeline. That, that's the novels. Yeah, that's quite scary. Ah! Now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> eh, whatever. Sorry. Yes, I'm crying again. Yeah, sorry. Guys, oh, wow. Dumbledore's that's, dead. Wow, that's quite the chapter. Yeah, and it's short. Yeah, you, you. It I is. read that so it is. quick. It's very. It's but it's mm-hmm. it's jam packed of detail and it's it's quite um, roller coastery. <laughs> it goes up and down, and you're you're never quite sure what's going on. Um, despite its its brevity, there's so much in there that it, it kind of it sucks you in um, and spits you out the other side. Um, and we're we're so ready to chase down Snape at the end of this moment. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a riveting discussion, but let's get into this week's podcast question of the week. In this chapter, Draco is alone with Harry with Dumbledore, ready to kill. Dumbledore is slowly convincing Draco to come to the light side. However, Death Eaters interrupt him, and then Snape shows up. If Snape had shown up first, would it have changed anything in the path of the story? Let us know what you think of this question over on our main page at alohomora.mugglenet.com. I can't wait to read what you guys have said. And we want to thank you, Ashley, so much for joining us, our little Snape lover. <laughs> Thank you. It was an honor. Good. We hope you had a good time. Loved it. No other Snape lovers. I'm just saying. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, anyone's welcome. Please let me come back for Snape's death. That would be amazing. Oh, oh do you know how many? There are so we many have? people that want to be there for that one. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to work that one out somehow. <laughs> but if you guys would like to be on the show, um, you can visit our be on the show page at alohomora.mugglenet.com. And all you need is a set of maybe Apple headphones or just anything with a a good quality microphone um, and you're all set. There's no other fancy equipment needed. While you're there, you can also download a ringtone for free. So you can jam out while you're walking through the grocery store. (laughs) What, nobody else does that, right? Nope, nobody. Okay, well, fine. Then (laughs) if you want to keep in touch with us in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at AlohomoraMN, Facebook.com slash Open the Dumbledore, on Tumblr at MN Alohomora Podcast. Our phone number is 206-GO-ALBUS, 206-462-5287. You can always leave us a voicemail there, guys, about anything you want. Or you can send us an audio boom, which is free. All you need is a microphone and an internet connection. Go over to alohomora.mugglenet.com in the right-hand bar. There's a little green button that says, leave us a hoot or send us a hoot. Press it, record, keep it under 60 seconds, and you just might hear yourself on the show. And, of course, our store is still open all hours, and you can find house shirts, um, desk pig shirts, Mandrake Liberation Front, Minerva is My Homegirl, um, and many, many more on there. Um, so go and check them out to get all of your summer clothing needs. Flip-flops. 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 definitely flip-flops. <laughs> yep. And don't forget to check out our smartphone app. It is available on this side of the pond and the other. Prices do vary, but you can find transcripts, bloopers, alternate endings, host vlogs, and much, much more. 
<laughs> and we say goodbye to Dumbledore and this episode. I'm Kristen Keys. I'm Kat Miller. And I'm Rosie Morris. Thank you for listening to episode 145 of A Locomora. Severus, please open the Dumbledore. Avada Kedavra. Open the Avada Kedavra. Dumbledore. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> Closing Was that too Dumbledore. violent? Was that too violent? <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> if people are going to listen in their earbuds, yeah, that might be a bit too loud. loud. <clears throat> you might want to try another uh, one. Do it keep Should it. I do it again? Keep, keep, it. Patrick, no, keep them on their toes. No, Patrick always tells me I'm too loud. <laughs> but I don't think that also I don't think that Snape was that violent in it I think he was more begrudging yeah. so to Probably, say it in a low fine. evil there voice rather than a shouty voice no maybe I'll do it <laughs> maybe I'll do it in a pleady voice like open no that's sexual <laughs> yeah I was gonna say uh, um give me I need a pleady voice open the Dumbledore open the Dumbledore Fifty shades of Snape. <laughs> uh, you need it like um, Severus, please. Open the Dumbledore. Open the Dumbledore. Open the Dumbledore. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Oh man. <laughs>